Hello, and welcome to Ruta Cosmic Wisdom. I'm Amy. And I'm Alexis. We chat about astrology, archetypes, and spirituality, exploring how these and more can be woven into the day-to-day energy of life. So we'd like to invite you to settle into your body and join us. Hello, and welcome to Rooted Cosmic Wisdom. Good afternoon, Alexis. How are you? Good, Amy. How are you doing? I am lovely. Today, we are welcoming Carolyn Gronfield, the founder of True North Partnership. And she is a realtor. And my understanding and my view of this is she is pioneering a massive industry change that is starting out as this beautiful little grassroots movement of moving us away from property and land ownership to stewardship and partnership. So welcome, Carolyn. Yay, you're here. I'm so excited to be here. I am, and a little nervous, so. That's okay. Um, So yeah, so that's a perfect description, and it is small but mighty right now. We're just sort of at our beginning and ideation stages and trying to separate out all of the stories that we have about the way that traditional land ownership is supposed to look and what our individual roles are in that process and how we can better support a higher way of thinking as far as the land as a conscious co-creator in this process and how to help the human you know, clients that we work with find the place where our service and our responsibility live and not just our, it's an asset and it's my piece of dirt that I own. Um, So yeah, that's kind of what we are working on right now. Amazing. How, how did this develop? How did this blossom into this little seed that's germinating? Oh, it's a long story. Like they're all long stories, but, um, and we've got time for this long story. (laughs) All right. Well, here's the, here's the shortish version. Um, I've been a realtor for about 20 years and I, I love most aspects of my work. Um, but there are some difficult aspects and, and some of those aspects started off as personal things like, um, how difficult it was to be a real estate agent and also a spiritual creature in the world and have the time and spaciousness. And so for a number of reasons, I, I started getting rather disgruntled with real estate as a, as a larger career path and was starting to struggle to see how I could fit in and do live the best life that I want to live within the confines of the stories that the industry has about what we need to do in order to be part of it. So it started there with like my own personal disgruntlement (laughs) and nothing particularly lofty, but I just can't do this anymore. And um, I am very involved in a number of really wonderful, beautiful groups of women, like strong spiritual amazingness and worked with some of my resources and with the Akashic Records. pretty much going in there and asking permission to not be a realtor anymore. Like went to a workshop with Priscilla, who you guys know, and went in there, everybody else went in there with like a passion project they wanted to do. Like they all had this amazing focus. And my focus was like terrified animal that doesn't want to do its job anymore. (laughs) And I pretty much just like cried through the whole thing and just said like, I don't want to do it. I just want to go into my records and, get permission to quit and get permission to, and like to figure out what is next for me. Cause this is what I'm good at, but I just can't do it anymore. And um, Priscilla was really gentle and she went in and talked to the record keepers and they said, oh, that's so sweet that you want to leave, but no, you're still a realtor. <laughs> this is what you're doing. And, um, and just wait, there's more like, you don't have it yet. You don't know yet, but there's more. So just, just hang in there. So from that point, as I had to like really look at, I started to recognize and feel into the places where these industry stories, where I just believed them. And, and, and when I started to really investigate those stories, then I started to feel some space around, oh, wait, (laughs) 
maybe there's more room than I've been telling myself. Maybe there's space for me to be my whole authentic self and do this. And then from that space, I really realized after all my years of, of being in this industry that I, I'm respected, I'm knowledgeable. I have a voice. I have a voice at the brokerage that I work at. I have a voice with the board of realtors. I have a voice with my clients. Like suddenly became clear to me, not like I'm in a wahaha powerful position, but actually I have credibility and I have the strength of my convictions. And so it started to become open to me that there was actually a way to that this 20 years of experience has become a gift that allows me to bring a wider vision that has also started to drop in. So that's another piece of this. Um, yeah. So in my connecting with the land and really starting to work with the land and learning to listen to the land, the land opened in me the higher knowledge of our backwards patriarchal way of handling land and a fierce desire in me to help pioneer, borrowing your word, the shift, just a shift of consciousness. Um, I don't have the imagination to see how we could completely redo our property ownership situation in Minnesota and the United States in the world. It's existed long before the term realtor ever existed that the wealthy and powerful hoard the land and the resources that are part of that land and take from the land and give little back. That is so ingrained in our culture and really in the world. And I, I'm powerless to imagine how to change that. And these beautiful seeds of, but I can change my behavior. I can change how I serve the land where my house is located. I can change by planting seeds with my clients when I work with them to talk to them about the subtle shift of like just turning that corner into stewardship and what that might look like. And so that has been an exploration for me. And I'm, I'm just in the beginning stages of what I think is going to be maybe another 20 years of where are we going with this? Cause I, I actually have gone from like, I can't do this anymore to wow, I can do this. And and in a whole different way. So that was a, that was a longish version, but that's kind of everything that's going on. No, I love it. And it brings up a really great point of, I think there's probably a lot of people who feel that way. Cause I think, right. There's many different scenarios of like, this isn't right. Like I'm just not happy in my work, Yeah. but a big part of it could be, cause I do think a lot of people choose a career for a reason. And right, not always, but I think there's a good bulk of people that choose a career for a reason, but you can get so disheartened in our world. And so I think it, it, it's a really beautiful point of sometimes it's not just like throwing your hands up and like, I'm just leaving this. Um, and like you said, like there was a deeper part of you that wouldn't allow that anyway. But instead of just staying in the disheartened place, you dove deeper. And so I'm sure that there's a lot of people in that position because I do feel that there's a reason, right? There's a reason why you chose real estate at the start and you may have been in a completely different place then, but like now it's unfolding, right? And like you said, 20 years, right? But you have the credibility, you have the voice. And I just think about like teachers and nurses and everyone in all different areas, like we need all of it. But imagine if everyone was connected into that deeper listening, the power of that, right? So I love that you're bringing this up because it's just, um, it's something that's been on my mind a lot as well. Yeah, this is, it's beautiful. We were, we were literally talking before you joined us, Care, about the size and weight of our collective stories and how with both Venus and Juno in Capricorn right now, Venus is asking us to check on our values. What do we value? And so much of your story is about your path toward your values and the claiming of that. It wasn't just claiming your voice, claiming your ability to move from your values 
And this Juno piece, she's sacred contracts. And how many of our sacred, our collective contracts have zero sacredness at all? They're just about what we can claim to ownership of. And so you had spoken about like, this is the seed to the wider vision. Could you share a little bit about the wider vision? <laughs> We're going to push you a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. So there's, there's what I can do personally mm -hmm. with my 400 closest friends. We talked about that before, Amy, when you and I have talked, like my circle of influence, if you will, the people who value my opinion and know who I am and probably wouldn't run screaming if they saw me on the street, but would come over and give me a hug instead, like those people. And I have, I have influence in that way with those people. And that is beautiful and important. And I'm really proud of that. And I've nurtured and cultivated that over many years. And I can also feel how I'm being called to something more, which I have to say, I've had some resistance to like, when it was me and my 400 closest people, I was like, okay, I can do that. I can, I can out myself that far. These people already know, like, and trust me. And I already know, like, and trust them. They're probably not going to run screaming if I tell them like, this is who I am and what I believe. And if they do, if I lose a few, it's okay. You know? Um, but what has, as I've continued to just open and soften and wait because I've been in a waiting game for a while, just one step at a time, not having the whole vision delivered on a silver platter. But what has become more and more present to me is that, I mean, the real estate industry is just one facet of a, a wide web of, of, of things. It was described to me this way, and I love this vision. This is something that I focus on. Um, my business is a tree, just one tree. And my job is to allow it to grow and to take up as much space as it can take. And one of the beautiful things that trees do is they clear pollution. And so as that has been sort of the foundation of the larger vision is what can I do with my partnership, with my partners on my team to plant our trees and clear as much of this collective pollution around ownership of real estate, around the hoarding of the few and the, you know, the lack of service to the many around taking the abundance and the resources that the mother freely offers and keeping them for oneself. There's all these pieces but at the end of the day, like, how can I plant myself firmly in the earth and grow and stretch and clean up as much pollution from the larger industry in the world through me and not just like stay small in the smaller group of people. And that feels really alive for me. And it's really scary. Like, it feels really scary to say, I want to change the way that real estate is conducted. That's a big, beautiful thing. And oftentimes big, beautiful heart things are the scariest because they're the most vulnerable. It is an offering of here is my heart and your heart is so in this. And I can certainly hear how, how like this is so heart driven for you. It really is. And it, in, as I have started to share it, I have not been disappointed by the reality that you're right. Other people are feeling this too. This is not, this is not a movement of one person that has been made aware of something and everybody else is in disagreement. We all know that the system, the way that it has set up is absolutely broken and isn't serving. And many of us are struggling with finding the way to a solution. Um, and I don't pretend to have all of the answers, but I can see how partnering with the land and serving and turning our focus of ownership into our focus of stewardship. 
and how on a great scale, how that starts to shift everything for everybody. And it's not, it, it feels enormous, but there's also a piece where it feels like just returning back to what which just a remembering of what was always meant to be. I love that. And it's, it's so it's making me wonder for someone like myself, who's on the East Coast, right? And you are in Minnesota. Are there ways that you could, like, how would I find a place, like the land, the right spot, if I was looking to buy a house and home and land, like, what are some pieces that, and that maybe come up for you in the clients that you work with, but how could someone like me who's on the East coast and, you know, I don't have you physically here and to unfortunately walk me around with your, you know, beautiful wisdom. Um, because right. Like there's people all over the world who are looking for homes and how can we, they connect in with the land, um, to find that home. Like what, what do those pieces look like? Because I have heard so many people I know say, I found this place and like, it was the land that kind of called me there. Yeah, so that I think is that the real essence of, of what my experience is around this is that once I became aware of the land as a conscious co-creator in this process, as a living, breathing, not a piece of dirt that we put our house on, which I think is kind of the weird collective vision. Like you have a piece of dirt and you put a house on it or a building or a farm and, and not at all the richness and the depth and the lushness and the sentience and the, you know, the land has its own desires. And once I became aware of that, once I was able to plug into that sense, I became aware that everybody feels that and but not everybody recognizes that feeling within themselves and so oftentimes my clients will come to me and they will will sit down together and I'll ask them to share with me what what their greater vision is what they're looking for in their home what are they trying to do and they will share with me through kind of our culturally appropriate lens of words you know they start off with, well, we want three bedrooms and four bathrooms. They start there. But then as I ask questions and as they open, they start to connect with that, that very uh, sort of nebulous, hard to pinpoint feeling, which is really, honestly, there's somewhere I'm supposed to be. And I'm not there right now. And I don't know where it is and I don't know how to find it. And where our connection with the land and our place, the land calls us home to the place we're supposed to be. And for me, it has been learning how to listen and like feel that ping within me when, not just when I myself am in a place where I'm meant to be, but also I have learned to be sensitive to that feeling when my client has found that place. Sometimes it just, it, it, it's just within me. I just know I can feel like the essential rightness of that place. And it's the most beautiful of things. So I really think that genuinely everybody, wherever they are on their path, has this sense of home that they're looking for, a, a feeling of desire for belonging, for connection, and we try to use stories and words to explain what we're looking for. But at the end of the day, oftentimes the, the house that someone selects doesn't really even necessarily match in the industry. This is a crass example, but the industry phrase talking about buyers is, and I quote, buyers are liars. And what our industry means by that is people come in and they say they're looking for something and then they're lying. They're looking for something different. Well, they're not lying. They just don't know. It's just, they're looking for, they're looking to satisfy this deeper longing within themselves, this, this desire to connect with the place that is so strongly desiring to connect with them. They just want to go home. 
and they don't know where that is. And um, so wherever you are in the world, I think there's a few things that you can do. The first thing is to understand that as much as you feel the desire for your place, your place desires and is reaching for you too. And so I think there's a connection point there where you soften and listen like we do in the other areas of our spiritual life. Um, for me, when I am showing houses to my clients, when I'm working with the land, there are some things that I can do to be more open. I ask permission to be with the land. I make a point in all the hurry and the bustle of arriving at a property and unlocking the door to look at the land around me and just connect with something. If it's a, if it's a tree, if it's a view, if it's, it, it doesn't, it's a different thing at different places, but just like a breath, a moment to really see and be present where I am and ask permission, you know, and then I also bring offerings. So I do it fairly subtly because I'm still not fully out of my closet spiritually with all of my clients. And it may not be the first thing that I tell everybody when I first start working with them, but I have a blend of herbs that I bring and carry as an offering. These are plants that are precious to me and have intentions that feel important to me in my service to the land to my clients, to the highest good, to my soul, to all the things. And I offer that to the land and I ask for highest good to take place, which I believe it will. And then I just let the magic happen. Mm, I love that. It's so good. And it, it touches in on the intention that we have. Alexis had mentioned that she drove by a house recently that the the product they were using to wrap it in was was all marked with the word grace and i think about how often here in minnesota we drive by places that are marked with tyvek it's all tyvek here (laughs) (laughs) and just feeling into going searching for home And having that intention that I'm looking, I'm seeking home and then being allowed to work with someone who shows up with, with her little magic bag of intention and how powerful intention is. Would you rather live in a home that's wrapped in Tyvek or grace? Like just feeling that who doesn't want to live in a home that's wrapped in grace and, and intention and it is those small pieces of intention that feel like they matter so much. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit with us about how you hold and how you view stewardship versus ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm, let me think about that for a minute. <laughs> You can feel it. We got time. Yeah. Um, I guess the first thing that I, that feels I need to say is that when I first started on this, this aspect of my journey around the integration of my spirituality and my work, which felt very separate for a very long time, one of the first things that I was told to do was to connect deeply with the land. And I didn't know how to do that Um, for a number of different reasons. But as I, as I proceeded to continue to (laughs) try to connect in with the land and I finally, I finally was able to connect. And what I initially connected with for me was the wisdom of the original stewards of the land on which my house sits. And that was a really beautiful and really troubling experience for me. So I wanna say that there have been, it has been both beautiful and and difficult 
Um, but when I originally connected in with the stewards that served and cared for the land on which my house sits, the message for me was, uh, it was almost, it's almost like a download that's hard to put into words, but essentially what came forth for me was the reality that I, I came to them as an owner and that what is needed or expected from me is to relinquish ownership in favor of stewardship. And, and it's, it's a wider piece because our land use in general, and it's just, it's so broad, but our general land use in this country and in other places in the world is really about, as I mentioned earlier, taking the abundance from the land and having that serve us. And that has had many forms. I mean, that that is form, that's mining, that's uh, cutting down timber and lumbering land. That could be taking the, you know, the sap from trees and making syrup from it. It could be farming and cultivating plantings on the land and pulling from the nutrients and the grace of the land and the rain and all the things to create our own way in the world. And to some extent, most of us are connected through the land to our way of life. And, and we make a living in that way. We are still a nation of miners and farmers and all those things still exist. So we have learned to take the land and use it to serve our need for survival financially and otherwise. But what has been lost in that is that the land is here for all, not only all her human children, but all of her more than human children as well. So all of the plants and animals and in our relentless desire to, and in our relentless scarcity and fear, we have taken and taken and taken. I mean, we all know this. We've taken from species to their extinction. We have destroyed our native landscapes to the point where our native plants, our pollinators are dying out. Like there is no, there is nothing about the land the way that it looks now in most of the places where your listeners are going to listen to this, that looks like the land would have looked. And so, and it may not be possible to put it back. I mean, we have to admit that we've broken this toy to a certain extent, but she has amazing powers of regeneration. And with just little shifts towards stewardship, towards this is not me owning this land. This is now me as its temporary steward. And my mission as her temporary steward, should I choose to accept it, is to heal what I can. And that can look like a lot of different things. That can look like, that could look like planting native plants so that the pollinators have a place to lay their eggs or a feed source. That could look like planting a garden and taking the, um, the overflow from that garden and bringing it to a nonprofit someplace that supports a community that you want to serve, you know, and bringing that which we grow and cultivate. It could be trying to correct and repair the soil of our land, which has been so beaten with grass. I know I've been a longtime grass fan, so I probably don't have any credibility as I say this, but <laughs> like grass and pesticides, you know, what we have done to the earth itself, to the soil. Um, so there's many different ways that that stewardship can look. That could just be having ceremony, having gratitude, making offerings, you know, offering our service, offering of our bodies, offering to the animals in the area. There's just, there's so many little pieces and parts and I'm, I'm learning right now how to do those things so that I can share those things with others. I love that. And it's also bringing up for me because I'm renting right now that I still, even though I don't own, right, by, right, like on paper, I don't own this land, but I'm still a part of the co-creation. And for example, there's a tree that, um, you know, my landlord told me is going to be cut down this week. Mm -hmm. And so I went out and I like 
you know, and I didn't care. I put my hands in the tree and I'm like, I don't care if my neighbor like thinks I'm crazy, but I connected to the tree and I listened like, what do you need? Like, I know I don't have control. Like you're going to be cut down. It already has like, you know, the branches are falling and dying. And so I put my hands on it and I was just like listening, right. For like what I can do. And I think even if it's just the intention, we talked about intention earlier or the listening, because there was a piece for me in remembering and it brought me into, you know, just different pieces that I could do. And I, so I think even if you're renting or owning, it brings up a good point of that stewardship and what that looks like. And because I can feel that too of people, you know, just, well, I just rent, so it's not mine. I don't belong here. I don't have to take care of it. I don't have to, right. But there's a difference and I can feel it with, um, you know, my neighbors too, of like, we can still take care of this, even though we don't legally, right, own it. Um, it's just a totally different way of when you talk about stewardship, anybody can be a steward, mm -hmm. right? Like that, that's a totally different thing than ownership because ownership is one person owns this and that person mm -hmm. might not even live there. Yeah. So that is another thing that's bringing up for me of the stewardship that anybody can be a steward. And that's the beautiful part. Well, and I think that ownership versus rentership thing is one of our collective stories that that the goal and 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 to a large part i think that there's a natural desire in us to have our place and our peace so i don't I, I think it's a human experience and not just human i mean look at animals and their territorialism and their desire to have their peace so i think that is beyond that but i think that realtors in particular have created this myth of home ownership in the american dream and created this you know this is what you want and in reality as i have as i experience the ownership versus stewardship ownership is only a small piece of that i i think we are called to be where we're called to be. And sometimes we are in the position with our stability, our job and our desire to, you know, buy that piece of land using the traditional method. And we become an owner and a steward of that land. And we are just as called as a renter, as a visitor to a place. I mean, you could be called to go stay at an Airbnb for a time and create a relationship with that land there. I don't think there's a, there's like a, a magic thing where you have to buy it and then you have to live there to three or five years. And that's what's magically makes you the steward of the land. Like we can be stewards. I can be steward of a piece of property for the moment I take my client through it just by asking permission to be there offering and listening. And in that moment, although I am simply there, someone else owns it, someone else might buy it, all of those things. At that moment, I am a steward of that land for that time. And if my client elects to purchase it, for example, I am a steward of that land as I, as I go through the process of the contractual pieces of, of like bringing in all of this serves the higher good of having this steward have the access and the care for that land. We just need to reframe a little bit and to and to see where our, you know, see where our stories have taken us because as renters we are absolutely have the same obligation to steward for and care for the land upon which we sit. And the same obligations to have awareness for who the original stewards are of the land in which we sit which in most cases, this land does not belong to the owners of the land period anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a big part of what came through with that tree. Also, like, as I went over to the tree, it was like really tightly, it was this beautiful, like with two big branches, you know, two big trunks coming together and it, like old, old tree, but it was like, you know, there's a garage and a fence and it's like, it looks like it's like trapped and it to me was this like kind of metaphor for what we've done. Cause I, then it brought me back to, okay, what did this tree look like? Like way back before there were houses and before there was right, these properties. And what we have kind of done is like, we've dismissed what was there so that we could create what we needed or wanted in the time. 
but it was that kind of remembering going back to like what it was because I do think there's a there's a we're kind of coming together right it's always like the pendulum has to swing really far and then we we come in the middle like we are there are beautiful things about the technology and the you know things that we have created but we have swung way too far in one direction and there's a way of coming back where we can have the luxuries and the things we enjoy right because I totally a fan of all the luxuries of life and we don't have to dismiss and right like like that tree just like okay well I'm gonna put all my stuff around you and ignore that you were here first um to create what I need and so it feels like there's this coming together of remembering what the right like what the nature and what the land originally is and was and that we can come together in that that we can still create the lives that we love in partnership with the land so I love it and yeah it's also bringing me to that like it, we can be a temporary right like you were saying even at Airbnb like we can be a temporary steward of the land and I know for me like I can feel I love this house I love this neighborhood I can walk to the river like it's my dream neighborhood and I can feel there's a next place for me and so I've been feeling into what is that because you know we can be temporary stewards and I think there's really big importance in that too because I think that's another cultural you know piece of like I you know if I am a steward and I own something I have to live my life out doing that thing um, and that may be true in some scenarios and then it may not be and I've heard so many people when you said like um that it's just not right anymore or there there's somewhere they want to be and it's not there I've heard so many people just in the last like week having these conversations about moving or like they they thought they were going to be somewhere forever and they're like all of a sudden I realized I I need to move I just don't know where and and that is another piece of it of like that temporary place that we was perfect for us and now we're being called somewhere else because we don't even know yet, but that there is something there for us. Um, so I love all of it because it just feels super relevant to what I've been in, what I've <laughs> been in conversation with people. And I think it just, it brings in a whole new um, way of thinking. Like you're not just now looking on, you know, looking on the internet at three bedroom, four, <laughs> you know, whatever, um, that there's another component to it. That I think is really important and that not everyone is aware of that there is this deeper part of intention because you can even do that I've also heard of people like um, they might have an idea of where they want to be for me it came visually of like the next place I want to be like I kind of saw it on a map and it was like a visual but knowing that everybody's different because I've had some people who need to like kind of like write it out on a piece of paper like these are places that I would like to be and then they stand on the paper and they like feel what that would feel like right like there's so many different ways that you can feel into it but it just brings up a really great point of it may not you might not find it first I didn't find this place on I didn't look it on the internet I didn't search for it I I had tried to look for places and nothing was right this place found me, like literally got a phone call, come look at this friend of a friend. I never looked at apartments. I came here and I was like, I felt it. I was like, that's it. It's right. And so I think it brings in another way that like we're a lot of people think, okay, I have to go online and like look for this or I get a realtor and like, these are my options. But when you bring in that other piece of feeling into where you're called, like you could, that's a totally different thing. Um, so I love all of it. All of it is just like feeling very relevant. The, uh, the intentionality. Once again, we're back to intention with this. My intention is I'm going to find my place. And listening to you speak about stewardship, Carolyn, is really like what it kept bringing me back to was your story around claiming your voice. Because there is, of course, power in us claiming our voice. There is this like dropping in and here is my center and now I'm going to express it. And listening to you speak into what stewardship is, it's a claiming of our power in, in a really clean, high, deep way that ownership can never manage. 
because there is a a taking that pendulum that you spoke about, Alexis. We've swung to this idea that owning something is power. <laughs> and listening to you speak into how stewardship feels, there is this deep, grounded, deeply rooted, like just intense roots to the power in that that we're working in a partnership um, rather than this hierarchical, like I'm in charge here because I own this. Um, that is so, it, it's such an, an invitation for healing on so many levels. And for you to be taking this into an industry that is really foundationed on the power of ownership. Um, I can imagine how terrifying that is. <laughs> it is a little. <laughs> and the courage and, and the bravery and your sense of center, your, your sense of, of I can follow what is right and what is highest and, and what is aligned is just inspiring. Because we do culturally everywhere need more of this, need more of this pushing back against the status quo and, and coming out of the spiritual broom closet, coming out of the spiritual you know, medicine closet, wherever we're hiding, um, because we do need more of these seeds scattered and people are interested in this. Like there is a huge bubbling energetics churning that people find out that you're into this weird shit. Like you want to set up a crystal grid on my property? Hell yeah. What's it going to do? Tell me about it. Because <laughs> there is an excitement and a a pull, just like that pull for home, there is a pull for this shift. And so that you're riding this like cutting edge wave. And I'm wondering if that's how you came up with True North Partnership. True North Partnership. So for me, True North Partnership, that partnership piece is the very, like the very essence of the direction that I feel called to go. And I, I feel like that partnership is basically like a three, it's probably a million fold, but I have, I have focused on three main partnership components with that. So the first, the primary partnership is with the land. So this group, my team, my wolf pack of people, we are focused first and foremost on stewardship with, of the land and partnership with the land, that co-creation piece that you were talking about where the land is calling and we can hear that call and help to put that into place and create those intentions. There is also, of course, partnership with our clients because they are feeling that same call, that same pull to find their place of belonging, their place of responsibility, their place of connection and stewardship and service with the land. And then the third leg for me is about the people in my little non-hierarchical wolf pack of people. I have a very small but mighty team right now. And I think we're going to grow quietly over time. Um, I think there are a fair number of individuals that share these sensibilities and these desires and want to plant their tree and clear pollution and build something different or remember something from the past, create a new way of stewarding the old way in a new, more technologically savvy area. So um, oftentimes with real estate teams, um, real estate companies or agents have formed teams to help them to deal with the absolute boundaryless, crazed uh, stories that we have around what we need to do as agents and individuals to be a realtor and how we need to show up for our clients every moment, all day, all night, all the time. 
And one of the pieces that feels, you know, one of the stories that I am aware of is that I have always believed that I needed to be as neutral as possible and sort of be Switzerland. That's sort of been my, you know, I'm Switzerland. I don't have an opinion. I don't share my, my views, my views on spirituality, my views on politics. I don't do any of those things because of course, my clients come from different backgrounds and they have different beliefs and I'm just going to be Switzerland and what they believe is fine. And I still believe that what my clients believe is fine and that they don't have to have the same opinions that I do, that they don't need to, I haven't moved from that, but what, because I, anytime for me, this is not exclusive. This I have simply started to hear a message that has been put out that other people are hearing as well but other people are focused on other messages and that is okay. So I, I am open to serving the land with anybody that wants to serve the land with me. But I have found that I'm no longer able or willing. We spoke about voice earlier, Amy. I'm no longer able or willing to be quiet though if what is happening around me is in support of the same old hierarchical, structural, patriarchal creation. And that, that is, that is after all these years of being so carefully neutral to like allow all those boundaries to blow up and to speak up for, to recognize that I have through 20 years of neutrality, given myself a, an actual podium from which to speak. Um, because I haven't really been eccentric. I haven't really been as rooted in the esoteric as I am right now. And so I'm respected. And that sounds really jerky. But the reality is that I come to this as normal enough to be heard. And, um, and I've plugged into that system for long enough to understand it from the inside. So I really feel like you know, as I continue to refine my group of people, my partnership, my partnership with the land and my clients and my, you know, my coworkers, my co-creators in the True North Partnership team, that, um, that that voice comes from that experience of, of being there. I don't know if I pulled that all together as well as I wanted to, but it, you, you did. Know, I, I am wondering, sorry, Alexis, I am just wondering very fast um, if you have any good stories of moments where you have used your voice to not stay silent in the same old, same old that you would be willing to share with our listeners. Oh, that's a good idea. Actually, I, um, I'm going to share this. I, uh, we have a DEI committee at the brokerage that I work at. I work at a wonderful, beautiful brokerage that I've worked at my entire career. Um, but the makeup of the agents and the ownership and our client base is very similar to the makeup of Minnesota at large. We're like 50-50 progressive and more conservative in our viewpoints on things and whatever. And I tend to be rather progressive. So um, as you probably can hear it from our conversation. So I, um, I'm on the diversity, equity, and inclusion committee for our brokerage and we are working to make real change in our physical makeup, our clients and how we serve them, and to try to fix and correct the ways that realtors by and large have created a real mess of fair housing. We've created a real mess of the way our communities look now, the lack of integration. This is not a coincidence or a mistake. This happened willfully and created profit for individual people. And so trying to unwind our own creations as an industry is really painful and difficult. And so that is, you know, the place that I come from on that committee. But of course, the brokerage, the ownership of the company also is trying to serve people that don't view things the way that I do. And I was recently at a committee meeting where one of our committee members, we were talking about what our next initiatives are going to be and where we want to focus. And one of the other agents who's wonderful, but his idea of the next initiative was to like 
smooth over the ruffled feathers of the peoples whose feelings were hurt when we asked them to take a stand and say, I'm going to sign a pledge that says that I'm going to look at my own behavior from this point forward and see where I have not been following the right path in terms of my diversity, equity, and inclusiveness with my clients, with my coworkers, with whatever. So we asked for a very subtle, like sort of milk toasty pledge from our sales executives and employees of the brokerage to sign. And many hundreds of people signed it, but other people were angry about it. And the initiative to smooth over the ruffled feathers of the people who were angry kind of made me angry. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I just, normally I would just mute myself and be quiet, but instead I found myself accidentally unmuting and not being Switzerland in a, you know, a room full of people and basically said, it's really sweet of you to want to smooth their feathers. I want to drop kick their asses out of our brokerage. Like they don't belong here. I'm, we don't want to, we don't want them here. And um, my broker, who's this amazing visionary, capable woman, I mean, amazing, just said, well, you know, our brokerage is made up of, you know, people on both sides, and we have to take this position of neutrality. And she could have just spoken all of the words of my inner self for the last 20 years and how I have viewed myself. And at that moment, I suddenly realized, holy shit, no, like, I can't do that anymore. I am not that person anymore. I can't be neutral about this. We're either going the direction that is of right. We're either heading that way or we're the silent majority that Martin Luther King Jr. spoke about. The real problem, you know? So I am suddenly becoming um, a lot more revolutionary and much more of an advocate and an activist than I really ever saw myself being. And there are certain truths that are not gonna go back to sleep in me. I wouldn't want them to, even if they could. Um, and my job isn't to convince everybody else that my way is right. And I'm not even convinced, I, I don't even know like a, a zillionth of right. But what my job is now going forward is to like plant seeds in the people around me, whether it's my coworkers at my brokerage, my clients, my friends and family. My job is just to plant the seeds and they will land in fertile soil or they won't. I'm not going to stress it, but I am also not going to be quiet anymore. So that's, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Way to go. You fierce feminine. You, <laughs> I am very fierce. Love it. Yeah. And it speaks to that, like you, you standing up for you in your essence. And that, like you said, like you can't, once, once it's there and once you're, it's out, you, there's no putting it back in the box. And I think some people are really scared to like take those first steps. Um, so I guess a question too is what did it look like in the like, you know, walking your way out and dropping these essences of you into your business and how it's been received by whether it's coworkers or clients? So really beautifully, actually, which is probably not a major surprise. Um, for one thing, I don't think I've been hiding myself as well as I thought I was anyway. So I don't know that I actually have been walking around shocking anybody. I think people kind of knew, even if I was less explicit with my opinions. Um, but I, I really think that as I have like moved into greater alignment, the whether or not other people agree with me or not, I think they understand that I am, I am speaking with the voice of my own essence, that I am speaking my own truth. And whether you agree with me or not, because you don't have to, but whether you agree with me or not, I think we do as a species naturally respect when a person is coming to us from their own truth. Where we get all hung up and struggle with other people is when they're, they're, not, they're not speaking from their truth. And we can feel that lack of authenticity because we felt it in ourselves. So we know what that looks like when they're parroting things they've heard on the radio or on podcasts or whatever, but it, isn't, it hasn't sunk through them. And, and it isn't authentically who they are. So the reality is 
that A, I wasn't hiding it as well as I thought I was, and B, as I have moved towards being more centered in my own essence, all I have found is more love and more truth and more connection. And that vulnerability has only has only endeared me further <laughs> to the people around me. And also I have been exploring the reality of like my warrior side, my pricklier side. There's a side of me that I have, that's also, I've tried to keep hidden and at bay, like the part of me that freaking stands up and, and says what I believe and, and doesn't want to ruffle smooth feathers and wants to actually physically kick people out of the brokerage. Like doesn't want to just ask them to leave, but wants to drop them on my foot, you know? And wants to wear sharp shoes. Like there is a part of me that I have been holding back a, like a real solid warrior piece that I'm also letting come forward. And I think that piece is intimidating both to myself and to other people at times. And I'm learning how to use it because I've never used it before. So it's not going perfectly every minute. And sometimes speaking truth feels really embarrassing. Sometimes I cry unexpectedly <laughs> and moment I'm way more authentic than I've ever been before. And I cry at weird moments. And again, that serves to, it has served to, to bring people closer it has given the people around me permission to bring their own essence, whether it be the prickly warrior type or the, 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 the moody crying type, it has allowed for that. So really what I can say is I was so afraid of this for such a long time. Um, so afraid of being out in an industry that doesn't have a whole lot of space for I mean, we have very orderly ideas of what we're supposed to support, how we're supposed to vote, what we're supposed to believe in. Um, in Minneapolis and St. Paul, um, we had rent uh, control measures, basically, um, rent stabilization measures on both of our ballots in our most recent elections. And Realtors Party Line is very clear. We don't ever get in the way of people making money with property, no matter what. You never vote against your investors making money on property. And unfortunately, I can't follow that party line anymore because the reality of the need to create stable, beautiful neighborhoods for all of our people, including our BIPOC communities, is so essentially part of my essence that there is no space for me in that party line. And that's just but one very small example of a greater rift I have with my industry in general, but most of what my industry is up to is mindless. There are a small number of people that have created this and have put this into place. And most of us have just been running the story and listening to it and doing it without consciousness or intention. And it's an industry full of amazing people who are trying to serve the world in the best way they know how. And I really believe that as we continue to first learn what our message is and continue to put that out into the greater world, like pioneer that message out, that once people are aware of how they are behaving within a system that doesn't work for everybody or even for anybody really anymore, that the change is going to multiply itself because this is the right way. It's the higher way. I'm, I know it. I know it in my... Mm. I'm just over here crying because I'm just so proud of you and I'm just in <laughs> awe. So don't mind me. You go ahead, Alexis. Don't think of me. <laughs> no, I had I had goosebumps all of that time you were talking mm -hmm. because there's something, there's just, I mean, there's a lot of pieces, but one of the pieces that's jumping out too is that I think that give it's a beautiful example of how there is no place that you cannot bring your essence. Yeah. And that when you do, right, because I've heard so many people say, like, I can't bring my spirituality into mm -hmm. my work or I can't bring it, whatever. But, and the piece that you said of, like, there was a lot of fear, but it's been received beautifully and so much love. 
and within yourself that that's grown. And despite all the pieces that we have to go through and all the little hiccups, most of it is, is limiting beliefs that make us believe we can't, right? That we can't do something. And it's really not true because I, I don't think there's any job that cannot, like that you cannot bring your essence to. And so, yeah, I had goosebumps the whole time because I think it's just like, this can be applied to whatever you're doing. And that when you bring that essence, there's a different vibration that you bring and that others can feel and gives mm -hmm. them permission to do the same. So yeah, same. I'm just over here like, yeah, yeah you go girl. <laughs> yeah, and especially in those careers that are, you know, seen as more just right, straight and structured, and there's not a lot of, of leeway, you know? Um, so yeah. I think we just need more essence from like, just fucking bring the essence here enough from everybody, from, from everybody, lawyers, from bankers, from all yeah. of these institute, like institutionally minded, mm -hmm. you know, all of us, there is space. I, I yeah. totally agree with that. Yeah. Cause I do agree that when you're dealing with somebody who lacks authenticity and vulnerability, what you're really feeling is their lack of accessibility and their ability to connect. And when you can connect, you can find common ground. And it doesn't need to be all, like we don't need a bunch of clones running around. And we all have common ground because our common ground is that we all want to build good, stable lives. And, and feed our families and, and raise our children and be with those we love. Like that is such an essential part of the human condition. It is that's what we want to do. And there's our common ground. So how do we build from that? And that you are bringing this and pioneering this and moving this in an industry that yeah, to a lot of extent has been built on how do we make sure that our investors make as much money as possible is it, it takes tremendous courage and it takes incredible backbone to be like, I just want to drop, kick them out of the brokerage then <laughs> piss off. There's the door. Um, and yeah, I was really hoping you'd tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> I'll own it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, the reality is that um, there, there is much more to come and I can feel, I, I still am afraid and I am still um, have anxiety about the level of vulnerability that I expect of myself now as I move in the world um, and um, I am, I am pleasantly surprised and filled with joy by how much it has worked to be of my essence. And I am also ready to release and let go of the people who can't choose this path with me and just recognize that there are some people that, you know, will not want to upset the status quo and that we have generations upon generations of messaging that what our job is as adult humans is to own a piece of property and then create generational wealth which we can transfer to our children so that they have a better life than we did and it's very I don't know what the word is nepotism is the word I can't think what it is but it's just this very linear like you know, this is what we do to help our offspring and their life will be better than ours. And we'll do this. And along the way, I mean, real estate is a huge aspect of that. It's a huge aspect of that intergenerational transfer of wealth and that dream about what life is supposed to look like. And I, I think it is wonderful that people find their place and find their stewardship and find their responsibility to the land. But we are absolutely going to need to find a way to move away from the, it just serves me and my, my offspring and my future descendants attitude. 
there's no space for that anymore. There's too many being left behind and there will be clients and other agents and other forces along the way that will disagree with me about the right way to move forward. And I, we simply will not be able to work together. And I accept that. And I respect that they can go their way. And if my broker tomorrow kicks me out of the brokerage because of the beliefs that I have, then I will go somewhere else or I'll start my own. Like I, I will be undaunted by, you know, the contentious feelings that my strong opinions might create in other humans. But if I'm out there planting seeds, they will grow in some soil and we only need so many trees to clear at least some aspect of this pollution and make this industry and the world better than it is right now. I kind of want to be like, and that's a wrap. <laughs> like that was such a mic drop. <laughs> and there we have it, ladies and gentlemen, mic drop moment. <laughs> and are, are there any last pieces, Alexis, as far as questions? Are there any last things you want to say, Carolyn? No, I agree. That was like a great... <laughs> just no, I have nothing else now <laughs> yeah we're just we're gonna mic drop it yeah I feel the same way like I'm so I just want to say thank you though for the opportunity to come on and share this with you and to clear another level of my own like to be vulnerable on a different scale and in a different way and that just really felt really beautiful to me. So I'm really honored to have had the opportunity to do this with you. So thank you, ladies. Oh, thank you for being with us. This is Amy. And I just want to thank you for joining us today on our meanderings and our wonderings. If you're enjoying our podcast, leave us five stars. We would love that. And if you'd like to reach out to either of us, both of our websites are listed in the show notes. So enjoy and until next time.